Grace Athens. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for jumping on the podcast channel. If we haven't yet met yet, my name is Brooks Hansen. I'm the worship and production director here at Grace. If you're new to our channel, these Tuesday podcast installments are called Words of God, where we open up the Word, where we reflect, where we meditate on the Scriptures. And so we hope that these Tuesday podcasts are just a restful time for you to open the Word and to begin to see what it says and have the words come alive. Something I want to talk about today is this series we've been going through in Acts in some ways that I have felt challenged and wanted to incorporate those challenges into my life. I've deeply enjoyed our series in Acts this past semester. It's a book we're all familiar with, but for some reason, it's not one that I return to very often. As the series continued, I decided to begin to study Acts for myself, along with listen to the sermons. And one thing that really stuck out to me was that I want more. As I read about the works of the Holy Spirit through disciples in the early church, then the Lord ignited in me a deep hunger for more. More miracles, more worship, more evangelism, more sharing, more community, more faith. couldn't continue with what I had, which, if I'm honest, in comparison to the early church, was was not very much. And so I wanted more. And I began to ask and plead and beg for more, but if I'm honest, I didn't really feel like anything miraculous happened in my life. I knew I couldn't stand to live my life as it has been, but at the same time, I didn't see God giving me clear steps forward. It felt like I was just hitting my head against a wall. This holy discontentment, which can be good, in this case led to some very real confusion, quickly followed by frustration. I remember this desire really coming to a head when I read the story of Philip in Acts chapter 8. After escaping the persecution of Saul, later to be called Paul, Philip who was one of the seven appointed to serve food earlier in chapter 6, if you'll remember, he retreats to Samaria and begins to share the gospel. Not only does Philip share the gospel, but he shares it in deed and with power. It's not just word, but it's with signs and with wonders. He heals the sick, makes the lame walk, expels unclean spirits, His campaign was so successful and well-received that verse 8 says, So there was much joy in that city, and all hosts of people were being baptized. Hearing of this, the church in Jerusalem sends in their big guns, Peter and John, to pray for the Holy Spirit to fall on this new body of believers. Because in Acts 8 it says that, it was They were baptized in the name of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit had not yet come. But as soon as these big guns, as soon as Peter and John laid their hands on the people of Samaria, they received the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is withheld from one man. Simon, who was a new convert, he once held the city's attention as a magician and as a self-proclaimed 
God. When Simon seeks the apostles to give him the power of the Holy Spirit, perhaps even trying to uh, slip some money under the table to try and get this power of the Holy Spirit, they deny him saying, your heart is not right before God. Peter tells him to repent of this wickedness and pray that the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Peter identified one reason why the Holy Spirit would not move in power within Simon. His heart wasn't right. To be particular, he had unrepentant sin, bitterness, and was in the clutches of his iniquity. And it was this verse that broke my heart. As I had been praying and asking and longing for more, feeling a little bit like Simon, ready to do whatever it takes, even if it means sliding a couple extra dollars under the table. I wanted more. I could see it. I've seen it in the lives of the early church and the people around me. I want more. And it felt like I was being denied. And so it led me to these questions. What secret sin have I missed? What grudge am I holding? What deep broken part of me have I yet to identify? What part of me is preventing the Holy Spirit from having control of my life? Ultimately, is my heart actually right before God? What does that even mean? I pondered and brought these questions to the Lord. I brought it to friends. I brought it to mentors. One of my mentors pointed me to a book, How to Worship Jesus Christ. It's one of those thin books with a cheesy graphic on it from the 90s. And If you've read many Christian books, you know that's how to identify a good one if it looks old and it's very skinny. But if you've not read this book, How to Worship Jesus Christ by Joseph Carroll, I encourage you to buy it immediately. It's been life-changing. It's a book that I will return to almost daily, seeking its wisdom and practical tips for worship. The thing that struck the deepest chord that I want to share with you today is the practice of surrendering one's heart. Joseph Carroll says, God is always present when we worship Him. But you can desire to see Him in His glory, in His beauty, and His wonder, and never do so. Why? If there is not a surrendered heart, there can be no acceptable approach to Him. That sounds very similar to the words of Peter, does it not? Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart. In Matthew 15.7-9, Jesus scorns the Pharisees with these words, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship. He teaches doctrines the commandments of men. Their heart is far from me. And their words, their worship is vain. Throughout the word, God makes it very clear what he is most interested in is the entire heart of an individual. Anything less is not enough. That doesn't mean that with less 
You cannot enter into the presence of God. You can certainly worship, but you will not get the fullness thereof. He will not be able to worship in the way that God desires to be worshipped. And if you feel discouraged, if you feel like that task to completely surrender your heart to God seems to be a great ask, join the club. So many times my mind is pulled in so many directions that it can be easy to become distracted and give parts of my heart to this person, this activity, this cause. And however noble those causes may be, they are not the author and creator of all things. The one who sent his son to save me. They are not worthy of our hearts. Only God is worthy of our hearts. And he's worthy of so, so much more. So if that seems as daunting to you as it does to me, be encouraged that those who seek for a true heart, those who seek for more with all of their heart, will receive it. And it's because it's only by the Holy Spirit that this yearning is even created in us. And so it will be by the Holy Spirit that it's accomplished. Carol Carol writes, Most certainly, without the enabling Spirit, such a heart is impossible. But with the Spirit controlling, it is the very life into which He will lead you. Like much of our Christian walk, I don't believe that one day we will wake up with a completely surrendered heart. But rather that we are slowly, steadily, moving in that direction towards a complete surrender each day. Slowly but surely, inspired by the Spirit, we are surrendering a new part of our heart every day, every hour, every minute. So now, let's take a moment and ask the Lord a few questions. See, these aren't just questions to ask ourselves. These are questions that we are inquiring of the Lord and wanting to see what he has to say. So wherever you are, just take a moment, pause, and ask yourself and ask the Lord and be willing to listen. First, is my heart right before you, God? Do I even desire it to be right before you, God? Am I allowing sin, bitterness, and iniquity to steal parts of my heart away from you? What part of my heart am I holding on to tightly? Unwilling. To surrender to God. What can I do today as an act of obedience as I learn to surrender my heart?
we thank you that you have given us a taste for more. That we are not satisfied with the faith or the experience or the portion of today. Lord, we are thankful, but we long for more because we have tasted and seen that you are good. We recognize in your character that you are faithful to provide more and more and more. It is your great delight. Thank you for placing that desire for more in our hearts. Would we seek you daily to satisfy it, not running to the gifts, the power of man, but running and leaning wholly, completely, and utterly dependent on you, Jesus, for more. Amen. Each day, ask yourself and God questions like these. He will surely begin to highlight the parts of our hearts that we so desperately try to hide and keep to ourselves. And in His grace, we will begin to be able to worship Him more deeply, experience Him more freely, and learn to share the gospel in words.